and, and in, in some senses, when we've had a summer like this, and, and sorry, if you went, you know, to Bognor and it rained all week, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't go to Bognor, um, but most of us will probably have thought, well, you know, that, that, that's what summers were like when I was young. Is that, isn't that true? I, I don't remember wet summers. I just, and I brought up in Manchester, for goodness sake. But it's not always easy, as easy when it's raining, is it? And when it's cold in life. I'm not talking weather just here. That sometimes, if things are going well for us, um, standing and being a Christian and feeling good about things just goes with the weather. But there are occasions, aren't there, are there not, when just life just, see, just seems to be a cold wind and the cloud is down, and you don't understand things, you're not quite sure where you are, and you hope that you're going in the right direction, and there, there are occasions like that. And uh, I, I want to, th this whole question of, uh, of how do we, how are we strong? How, 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 do we, how are we established? How do we stand confident as Christians? And so I want to read Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in the first chapter. It's a bit long, but uh, if I read it semi-fast, and, uh, and you can then just get the gist, okay? Some of it is remarkable, after what Rachel said this morning, some of it fits perfectly well. T 2 Corinthians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is our boast, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations, relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. 
we have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. For we do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we boast of you in the day, we will boast of you in the day of our Lord Jesus, day of our Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might ben- benefit twice. I planned to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that at the same breath I say yes and yes and no and no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the, Son of, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my, say, as my witness that it was not in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth, nor that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith in faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make an, you another painful is it? This is Paul's third letter. There's a series, and as we can see there, there's a series of visits. And uh, they, they were challenging times. Uh, the, the cloud was down, the wind was blowing, and it was cold. And uh, in verses 8 to 11, he talks about the suffering and the trials and how they, if they are comforted, they need to give comfort and because there are people that are going through it. And Paul describes in his own trouble, and this, whatever, the, whatever it was that happened in Asia, and, uh, and a certain amount of criticism coming from Corinth, and uh, saying, well, he, you know, he says he's coming, and then he's not coming. He doesn't want to face us when he comes, he's weak, and when he writes his letters, he's strong, and the man's vacillating, he can't make up his mind. and All of these things are at the background to what Paul is writing to a church that is also challenged and uh, that he rehearses or he, he, make, he implies, makes veiled references to the kind of troubles that they're going through. And, and by the end of the chapter, he's saying about how we are to be established, stabilised, Able to stand, particular verse 21. How, how do we get stable? How do, in the face of trial, are we just to try harder? Are we got to be more committed? Um, is it, have I just got to get more discipline? Kind of tighten the notch another? Um, how do we respond so that we stand in times of difficulty? And uh, it's interesting, the way that, that's why I read the whole chapter, that in the drift of the chapters, as you read through it, he, he starts with the problem, but it, he actually turns away from the problems. 
he turns away from the personalities and the issues and the incidents and he just talks about God and, and, and what God has done and how faithful he is and about his promises. And he, he's almost telling the Corinthians, no matter how difficult, how great the suffering, that we've got to get our eyes on him and his work. And he reminds them of, of how it happened when Silas and Timothy and himself had come and, and just how God did it. And uh, I want to look particularly, I'll just focus on these verses, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. If for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by Silas, Timothy and I, not yes and no, but him it's always been yes. No matter how many promises God made, they are yes in Christ. And it, he's, he's just pointing Godward. And so through him the Amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God does it. Something that he, God, is establishing. It's a present tense. It's something that God is on ongoing work in all of us to enable us to stand. So how does he do it? That whether you feel that you're on the top of a mountain in the sunshine or whether you're just in a place where the cloud is down and the wind is blowing, how... How do, how do we stand? And he makes reference to the promises. And all the promises of God are yes. Yes! Well, there are a lot of promises if you've read the scripture. And uh, the, the phrase that he uses is, is a phrase that would have been used in business, apparently, um, about uh, a law contract as to whether the contract will hold. Whether it will hold firm, whether the promise will stay intact. That's the phrase that's used. And that, and that God has made these covenants, these promises, this, the, these faithful undertakings with you and I that through, whether it's a great time or a bad time, God will be faithful. And the good John Calvin, God is always true and steadfast in his promises. This is what his commentary on this verse. God is always true and steadfast on his promises. So, if you are just kind of feeling the wind howling around your ear, obviously then begs the question, well, which promises? Which promises do I need to draw on in life's trials in order to be established and to stand? And uh, th th this is where he leads it. Th th there's this sentence, begins in verse 21, and then fills verse 22. Uh, and let me read again, 21. Now, it is God who makes us both stand, both us and you stand firm in Christ. How? He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It's fascinating to me that rather than saying try harder, commit more, turn the notch on your discipline, that Paul talks about the Spirit. And three aspects of the Spirit's work that I need to count on in trial. Three promises of the, about the Holy Spirit working in your life and mine that are the ground, the basis, upon which we will be established. So I, I just thought I'd wander around them. And the first 
that just at the end, the sentence begins there, said in verse 20, he anointed us. Now that, that promise goes a long way back. This is a kind of an Old Testament kind of word, isn't it? That, that if, if a king was going to be established as king, as still to in, 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 our, in this country, some, somebody gets some oil and as a symbol of the spirit kind of pours it on. And the same was true of the high priest, if you, if you, and of the priesthood, that they were sprinkled, they were, they were anointed. That, that symbolically, and trusting that God would deliver the real thing, that, uh, they, that they were anointed. Uh, and sometimes when the Spirit of God came on, on, on Saul, remember, and he, he was among the prophets. And, uh, he's not pro- and it, it was just that, that, that God has these promises of, of anointing. That something that will be on the Christian... To, to equip them, to enable them, that we might, to, to consecrate us, to serve him. Um, and uh, it was the same, it came with Jesus, wasn't it? Do you remember at, the, at his baptism where the Spirit of the Lord just came on him? And then he stood up in Nazareth the, the, and, and quoted Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me and, and anointed me to preach good news. And here the Apostle is saying that that, that, that he has anointed us. Actually, the word Christ means anointed one. And the word Christian, as a result, implies the idea of little anointed ones. Now, you may not have seen yourself quite in that, in that, in that, in that way before, but, uh, there, there is something as we are, uh, I'm trusting that you are a Christian, and the, the Lord, you've turned and, and found forgiveness and reconciliation with God and, 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 and become his child. Um, but you've also, you also, there's something prophetic about you. That you, you, you bring something from God to a needy world. There's something priestly about you. As we've been, Rachel's been saying, that we can seek him, petition him. That there's something kingly in that you have been given authority. So this anointing isn't just something for Old Testament people. There's an equipping, an empowering, an enabling, an emboldening, an enduing. God on us. Not God far away. The Spirit of God with us. He has anointed us. Um, And uh, there's a sense that uh, standing firm is in Christ. Of course, at a very base level, the spirit of the, the spirit of God. We we live in the spirit. We 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 don't live by keeping laws. We 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 live righteously before God by the spirit. That it it, it we we we're not a people that that are under the law. We we're a people who know the grace of God, enabled. How wonderful is that? But. It's this, it's this anointing. Uh, and however you read them, we may read them in different ways, but references in the, in the New Testament to the fullness of the Spirit. Some of you have been to New Wine, you'll know all about this, that uh, to, to a baptism, a plunging in the Spirit, it's this same provision of, 
of God just empowering and because of our own likes. Why in the early church, apparently, that when somebody was dunked or baptized or whatever you call them, that uh, immediately afterwards hands were laid on that they might receive the Spirit because we are, God has anointed us. Isn't that what Acts 1, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Isn't that what Luke 24, that tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued, and, and so how much more will, the Holy, will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And it's just a brilliant thing that for what, what, whatever our circumstances, God has anointed us. The, the, the phrase that, that you might stand in Christ, uh, and it, it's quite, a, it's a pointed one. It, it's, the, the, the word that's used is, is almost has a sense of movement and nearer and nearer and nearer and a sense of increase in it. Um, and that's how it is with the Spirit, isn't it? That He comes more and more. We, we, we may have known a measure in the past we can, that he has anointed us. That's how we stand. We stand in the Spirit. Secondly, he, his, the second promise of his seal. <laughs> I, I am old enough, as I've betrayed myself already this morning, um, to remember when they used to put seals on letters. Anybody else old enough to remember that? Yeah, and uh, do you know, this morning, I've got to confess this because it didn't work. I thought, what a great thing. What I'll do, and I found a nice big brown envelope, like all envelopes in those days were brown. The, these new trendy white envelopes, <laughs> real envelopes used to be brown. And uh, you, you, what, what, you used to get some of this. And uh, this, is, this is my father's seal. His, 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 his initials are D.O. And what you did, you got a flame, and you lit, I was going to do this this morning. Do you know, I couldn't do it. All I managed to do was set this on fire. <laughs> so, so that the wax that went onto the envelope was black, not red. Somebody needs to show, anyway, the, I, so we're not going to have a live demonstration. I thought that might kind of be dangerous. But you had to heat, you're an expert here. If you want to know how to do it, don't ask me. All right, but what you did, you kind of heated it and a, a, a red blob, preferably not black, a red blob landed where the, on the seal of the envelope. Then you got your seal and you... Or if you had a signet ring, that's what your initials were engraved on and you went... So that where, where the letter was opened, there was a seal. That's the idea here. He's put the seal of the Spirit on us. Well, what did the seal convey? Well, it conveyed that it's genuine. This letter really is for me. It conveyed that it was genuine in that it hadn't been tampered with. The seal was unbroken. It, it carried a certain amount of authority with it. That this, uh, this is for me particularly if you were king, and the king put his seal on it, well, that was that carried a lot of weight. Actually, and I'll, th this is a lovely thought, often the king's seal had a picture of the king on it, normally on his throne, normally looking fierce, 
with a stick in his, he didn't call it a stick, a stick in his hand, and uh, so that the seal had an image of it. It's a lovely thought when when it say, when Paul says that God has sealed us, that the seal. Anyway, I'll come to that in a minute. It meant that it hadn't been interfered with. It gave a sense of integrity. It gave a sense of ownership. That this letter is mine. Uh, and Paul writing in, in the first letter says, you know, that, that, that God is, do you not know that you're God's, that, that, that God's Spirit lives in you in the reference of Him sealing us? Ah, God, the seal was used for lots of other things. That when, that when Daniel was shoved in the lion's den, they shoved, and they put the door in again, they say to the king, sealed it. Uh, he was just saying, well, my seal's on it. The guy hasn't been allowed out because the seal is unbroken. When Jesus was put in the tomb, of course, they sealed it. Just so that it was clearly evident that he hadn't escaped because the seal made it firm. In Revelation, a kind of scary bit, that some people will have a seal on the forehead and others will carry the mark of a beast and in that day it will be very very important who I belong to it, it is of absolutely fundamental import that the seal is the seal of the lamb on my forehead in that day and in this day so here we are that Paul says that he's not only anointed it, he set his seal of ownership on us. He's marked you and I out as his property. He's demonstrating that he owns us. He stamped his image in my life. Isn't that wonderful? That the Spirit of God comes and seals your life, having believed you were sealed, Ephesians, and part of the seal is stamping Jesus' image in us, on us. But it's, it's, it's not just a seal like an envelope, is it? It's, it's not like a bus ticket. It isn't just something that We've got, and if the inspector comes, we can say, "Has my ticket." You know, do you remember those bus tickets? I, I, that was at the same time as seals. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but the, I mean, bus inspectors. Lots of us got bus buses. But it isn't just something that's there. That Paul writes about this seal. as being like something in a child's heart. He talks about that in Romans 8. That the seal of the Spirit in my life gives me a relational connection, not just a surname. That this seal of the Spirit causes for God's Spirit to bear witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. It gives me a measure of confidence and awareness of God. And, and this, again, being established into Christ more and more. 
a growing seal, <laughs> a growing sense of ownership, a growing sense of image, a growing sense of belonging that God has done. So in the midst of trial, not only has God anointed me in order to enable me, he sealed me. So even when things are at their worst, he's put his spirit in my heart that I might know whose I am and know whose authority is on my life. He's anointed me, he's sealed you, and he's given this promise, this, this deposit, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It's a kind of foretaste. Uh, sorry, I just need, maybe I need to explain that when you believed in Christ, when you turn from your sin, when you realized that there, God, you were alienated for God and you needed to be reconciled and you got on your knees or however you did it and you confessed your sin and you you turned, you, that's what repenting meant, you, you turned, you changed the whole direction of your life and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Do you, do you know at that point, that that was all part of the work of the Spirit anyway, you didn't realise he was doing the business, but uh, he, he was making you alive and he was opening your eyes and, and, and turning you from, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, you know that... The Spirit of God was doing that. But more than that, he, he was taking up residence within us. That, wow! And the, the Scripture talks about you and I as believers as, as being little temples of the Spirit that indwelling us. And here Paul says that it's the word that's in the old Bibles is earnest. I thought that was an uncle of my mother's, but but apparently an earnest is 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 a kind of down payment. It's a foretaste. It's a, a guarantee. It's it's what you do if you're buying a car. If you buy a car, uh, some people do it this way, um, and uh, you you say right. There, there's my 500 pounds, the other nine and a half thousand, and because the man is, because you've got your, he's got your 500 quid, sorry, the idiot, let, lets you drive off with this vehicle, confident that the rest is coming. Uh, and that's, that's the role of the Spirit of God in your life. That God has put the Spirit in your heart, and there's a lot more coming. It, it's the down payment. God has done this work in our lives as an, the word is an Arabo, it's a guarantee, it's a down payment, it's a surety of full payment. It means that one day you'll get all the rest of the goods but for now, he's given you this measure of the Spirit. Now, heaven, what that eternal life has begun. That's how Jesus described it. 
eternal life has, has just started in, heaven started in my heart. I've had a taste. Oh, brilliant being a Christian, isn't it? Don't you think? Just think that somebody as ordinary and as hopeless as you, sorry, you know, yeah, but that's what I think about you, but just to think that somebody as, as so utterly insignificant as you clearly are, that the, that the, the Lord Jesus has put his spirit in your heart to help you when the cloud is down and the, the wind is strong and cold. He's put his spirit in your heart. And the point of it all is to say, he's in your life as a small measure that eternal life one day will be in full measure. And that the, 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 the wonder of the spirit now is but a small part of all the reality that he will be to us in that day. That, it, that it's, a, it's a guarantee. It's this promise. It's this first installment. It's this pledge, this deposit. And there's more later. We taste the kingdom now, but one day Jesus will hand the kingdom to his Father. And the whole job will be done. And we'll see it if we are Christians. There's life now, but nothing to life then. That, uh, uh, that an, an inheritance is guaranteed as a result of it. Now, the spirit in my life, the, the presence of God that, that comes into my life when I believed is there as a ground of encouragement and hope and confidence. He, he's just put his spirit in your heart so that you know it's a rock-solid promise. And all that is to come is absolutely sure. It's not hope I hope for. It's hope which will be absolutely a dead cert, whatever, sorry about the analogies and all, you can work that out. And the Spirit is the testimony to it. He's the first fruit, he's the appetizer. Isn't that a nice thought? That we're not living here and this is it. No, no, no. No, the, the, the Lord Jesus has given us a taste so that we will all the more long for the good bit that Peter, writing, talks about an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. On a day of a family bereavement, it's just so, so important that we keep the perspective that the best is coming, and we ain't going to get it here. It will be when we see Jesus face to face that we will realize how good, how wonderful the Spirit of God was here, but in how small a measure we enjoyed him. In fact, this, the, the, the Greek word, arabon, um, is, is used also not only of, of a pledge in the way that I've described, it, it also became the word for an engagement ring, which is just a lovely picture of of that God has put which ring a hand sorry 
Which hand does he... Anyway, he's put a ring on one of your fingers. Our daughter got engaged. Our youngest daughter. I don't know. A month ago. Um, found a bloke. Or did a bloke find her? I'm not quite sure it works. It's so long ago. <coughs> and uh, there, there's a wedding planned. <laughs> Whether it's all paid for, it, this, that's where this analogy falls down. <laughs> but there has been an interesting change. A joy is our daughter's name. That there's been an interesting change in her in in her eye in her face, that, that there's something different about her. There's, a, there's a, a, a kind of sort of excitement. I can't remember that, but then it's so long ago. <laughs> but, but suddenly there's someone come. There's, there, this is, there's someone who comes to our house and there's only one thing on her mind. She's living in anticipation. Christian? Christian? God has put a ring on your finger. There's a wedding coming. We are to live this life with a sense of anticipation, with this one thing on our mind. It's a sunny day today. But it might be raining in your life tomorrow. The cloud might be down. But he has put his spirit on your life. He sealed you and put a mark of ownership on you. It's the most important thing about you. In that day, nothing else will matter. Your account with Barclays will not stand up in the day when the question is, do you have the seal of the Lamb or do you have the mark of the beast on your life? Most important thing about me. And he has put his spirit in my heart as a guarantee. It's as good as a done deal. Heaven is being prepared. And the measure of the presence of God and the nearness, the reality of God that the Spirit of God brings to the believer's heart is going to be multiplied infinitely in that day. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a Christian? Isn't it? To think that when you trusted in his son, he put his spirit in your heart. Let's bow our heads.